Welcome to The Watchers, a show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch uh, movies about... Uh, I thought you had it. So did I. I keep just thinking spray paint, which this movie is kind of about, I guess. Can't, a movie is about um, buying frosting in bulk. Sure. Uh, movies about... Bruce Willis with hair. <laughs> Movies about women from Newark. <laughs> Movies about women from Newark and somewhere else, which um, we'll certainly talk about. Yes. Hold on. You're listening to The Watchers. <laughs> I'm just going to roll with all of this. They're getting two intros. A show where two women from opposite ends of New Jersey watch TV about... Did you guys know Meryl Streep is from New Jersey? <laughs> Yes. So important. It is important. Bruce as well. Bruce yes. Willis. Uh, Bruce Willis, I should say. Are all famous Bruces from New Jersey? They should be. Yes. Meryl Streep is one of the classiest New Jersey Bruce folks we got. She, oh, yeah. Bruce Hornsby is from Williamsburg, Virginia. So two out of three That's famous the third Bruces Bruce. from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Who else would you say? Uh, mm, that's not a real person. To say Bruce Wayne, <laughs> um, literally from New Jersey, Gotham City is in New Jersey. So yeah, three out of four Bruces are from New Jersey. Y- you're Andrea. I. <laughs> it's getting longer and longer before you remember <laughs> to say who you are. I'm Andrea, and I'm Jody. Uh, and this week we watched. Oh yeah. <laughs> Death becomes her. Death becomes her. Oh, this was another romp. This is a uh, romp. It's, it's zany. A different, different kind of romp. Yeah, zany is a good one. This movie is a cartoon. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. Uh, well, you know, Robert Zemeckis. Exactly. Who framed Roger Rabbit. And we'll get in. We'll get into all of that. Um, yeah. Before we get into all of that, I do want to say this is our first episode post um, the loss of, of Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. And I'm so fucking sad. Heartbroken. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I loved Pee Wee so much. Yeah, I think one of the first things when we were tossing movies back and forth, yeah, um, the first one was like, "Have we both seen?" And of course, yeah, of course we have. I mean, yeah, and the other one I can't see. Um, the other, the other Pee Wee Herman movie that you suggested. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot that. Yeah, you haven't seen Big Top Pee Wee, or I yeah. think we save why. I think maybe one day we reveal to this audience. If you listen to. New Jersey is a world. You might already know why Jody would be um, avoiding Big Top Pee Wee, but um, I can't do it. I I understand. I, I understand. Even though I love Paul Rubens, yeah, um, yeah. But uh, I was a huge Pee Wee's Playhouse fan. Oh my god, me too. Like, I I everything I think is good and funny now comes directly from Pee Wee Herman and Andy Kaufman. Like, and I know I'm not saying anything new. I feel like fifty percent of people who are big into comedy, like come from that. Say 90% of the men that I dated. <laughs> okay. It's, I feel like it's worse for men. Do you know what I mean? I feel like if you're a man and you cite those two, no, not Pee Wee. That's not true. No, um, 
I think there are things about Andy Kaufman that sometimes, even though I love him yes. so, so, so much, um, and there are, uh, you know, we have good friends who cite Andy as, as a big influence who don't throw up a million red flags, but yes. there are some things about Andy that when I hear that, I might be a little reticent. Tiwi is uh, not the same red flag, though. No, no, absolutely not. He's a red bow tie. Um, and I just, it truly, like, I can picture the little, like, play table I would sit at and eat lunch and watch Pee Wee. Like he Aww. matters so 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 much to me. Oh I am gonna cry. I thought I might <laughs> um one of the podcasts I work on uh that uh I I well, no I don't produce one of the podcasts I work on I edit a podcast uh the Brain Candy podcast and I think maybe I've talked about that one here. Who knows? Um but uh one of the hosts Sarah was saying this week she's also a big Pee Wee fan and she was like you know, I like some kids grew up watching Sesame Street, and, like some kids grew up watching Pee Wee. Mm. And uh, I was and then, definitely a Pee Wee kid. So. And then kids in my generation grew up watching Sesame Street, but then watched Pee Wee slightly older and yeah. kind of got the like a slightly different take on it, I think, than the kids that were watching it. That's so interesting because for, for you, it's like, I mean, because I, what years was it on? Ran from 86 to 90. So I was 11 to like 14, 15 when that was on. So I was no longer a kid watching that. I was like a preteen. Mm -hmm. But it so spoke to my sort of like preteen adolescent sensibility, having grown up on actually Sesame Street and yeah, Mr. Rogers. That makes so much sense. Like it made it me feel smart. Your take on. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it made uh, me feel like I was in on a joke of some kind because it was a take on those things. It is so funny because like, and for me, it was just like, like, I didn't even realize like watching um, the the actual special right before the series. Um, like, I don't even think I was born yet. Um, but then Pee-wee's Big Adventure came out the year before I was born. So it's this not podcast like. This podcast is just to make me feel <laughs> old, I think. I'm starting to realize that just every week I feel slightly older. Every time I look in the mirror, I have more gray hair. So don't, you know, I'm I'm well on my way. But it's like, I didn't, I didn't know until I was much older after watching those movies, you know, for so long that like, they weren't in the show that they weren't really for kids. And they certainly weren't only for kids. Yeah. Um. So to be able to come to that a little older instead, and sort of be in on it from the beginning, yeah. I feel like it's probably a totally different and very cool experience. Yeah, I definitely felt like I was kind of in on the joke of, mm -hmm. of what he was taking on with that yeah. show. That's amazing. And also just being delighted by it as well. But mm -hmm. yeah. there's so many beautiful stories of people just coming out and being like, I met Paul Rubens once like side stage and uh he took my phone number and then every year on my birthday I would get a happy birthday text or I was a PA on a show and he was so lovely and invited me over to his house for lunch wasn't weird at all right and then just sent me a Christmas card every year after that he yeah. just seemed like such a heart open and heart forward yeah person who was just like uh, so interested in connecting with people and in a, but but also had like a weirdly I mean not weirdly private life it was for a reason I don't right. even want to get into because I think it's bullshit but mm. you know yeah anyway I love him so much and um, I'm sad that he's gone and I know you are too and I'm sure if you've been listening to this podcast I have yeah. a feeling you're probably also Pee Wee Herman fans if you're not if it somehow missed you the way some of these things do as we've <laughs> learned on the show go you are in for such a treat please just go back and watch literally everything everything yeah, he did definitely 
hundred percent agree. I feel like there's like a there was a level of sort of unhinged risk in that show. Totally. That not to bring this back immediately to our mutual friend Chris Gethard, but <laughs> like reminds me in a way of the Chris Gethard show. Yeah. In that like it was a group of people that were doing something together that could have gone off the rails at any time. Mm-hmm. And like and often you can f- did. Yeah. You could feel yeah. that like boundary that they're pushing. Yeah. And but just in the like and not necessarily for the sake of pushing those boundaries, though in some cases yeah. definitely, but not always. And sometimes just for like chasing like what feels like fun and good in the mm-hmm. moment. Um I yeah, totally. I think that's that's yeah, absolutely spot. I, on. I just saw someone on Twitter post that they were doing their annual rewatch of the dumpster episode. <laughs> And like, I mean, that's one of the finest hours of television I've ever seen. Yeah, it's still something I recommend to people yeah. I, all, all the time. Yeah. Um, so if you I haven't guess, seen, I was gonna say, that's I know one of our we could we week. could literally do an episode one week that's just us recommending stuff. <laughs> stuff. Yeah. But this the dumpster episode of the Chris Gethard show. Just look it up on YouTube. Do not look into it at all beforehand if you haven't no. seen it. Just watch it. Just literally just YouTube Chris Gethard dumpster show yeah. and. Yeah, and then buckle up because it's so good. It's so good and so fun. Such a delight. Any other news we need to cover this week? Oh, you said that the editor of this movie just passed away. For well, within the last week after wow. we chose this, I'm saying we. I went. You're culpable too. Um, culpable. <laughs> yes, that's um, the word. Okay, thank you. you're culpable too. Um, English major. <laughs> long time listen i haven't had to teach an english class in years at this point um but uh yeah the editor of this movie arthur schmidt um i don't know if i want to tell people we're recording because they'll know how tight our timeline is um but we're recording on august 13th he passed away on august 5th Hmm. um yeah so uh he did a ton of movies um ton like he he worked a lot with with Robert Zemeckis, who is mm-hmm. the writer and director of this movie, but also Back to the Future one through three, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, Last of the Mohicans, Adam's Family, Adam's Family Values. Actually, I don't know if Adam's Family must be Adam's Family Values for sure. Uh, Far Scum, The Birdcage, Contact, Primary Colors, What Lies Beneath, Castaway, Jesus Christ, Pirates of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl most recently chum scrubber which 2005 so not in a very long time but, but the man a huge was, list yeah that man worked um and so so yeah uh sad timing but uh you know i guess yeah. we can we're here to i mean he was almost 90 years old so it's a good run 80, 86 years old yeah so you know uh yeah. rest in peace mr schmidt thank you for working on lots of movies that i love yeah um, including this one, Death Becomes Her. <laughs> so as we um, started doing last week, I think it is now my job to summarize this movie. And we started this because I couldn't summarize <laughs> the last one because I was too excited about every little bit of it. Um, so we'll see how this works. I I think I'm just bad at summarizing movies. I don't think no, it's specific got, to the ones I pick, but... you got You got this. Okay. I did give myself some notes so that I wouldn't mm-hmm. go too far off track. Um, so in case you didn't watch it, we're going to do a little summary and then we'll talk about it. So Death Becomes Her, uh, two old college friends. 
I assume college because I found some like trivia that said that originally they were supposed to be college friends from Radcliffe. Um, See, I'm already off track. Madeline and Helen, (laughs) um, who probably should never have been friends in the first place, Mm -hmm. uh, fight over a mediocre man. Madeline is a not great actress in her late 30s, early 40s, and Helen is a writer. Madeline ends up stealing Helen's plastic surgeon fiance, <laughs> leading Helen to a brief stay in a psych ward, which I could talk about for a very long time. Oh, we will. Good. Uh, I mean, that is my that's my little niche. Um, <laughs> we catch up with them seven years later. Helen has slimmed down and written a book about staying young. Um, and then Madeline catches her younger boyfriend with a, a woman around his age. She goes to how do you say her name? Lyle Liz- Lizzle? I think it's um, Liesel. Liesel, sure. Because when I was younger, I thought her name was Lisa. Okay, Liesel. Um, A weird Cleopatra type played by Mm -hmm. Isabella Rossellini and purchases a serum that will make her live forever and stop her from aging. Um, Helen then convinces Ernest to try to kill Madeline. He pushes her down the stairs, which technically kills her, but not really. Uh Um, and then Helen shows up at the house while Ernest is trying to fix her up because he's now an undertaker, not a plastic surgeon anymore. Um, Madeline and Helen fight. Madeline shoots Helen with a shotgun in the stomach, but also doesn't kill her, which is how we realize that she has also taken the serum. Um, after they realize they have both done it and they can't actually hurt each other, they make up and they try to get Ernest to take the serum so that he can basically like work on them forever. Mm-hmm. Um, he falls off a building instead of taking the serum, but he somehow lands in a pool and survives, which that to me was the most unrealistic part of this movie. <laughs> um, everything else I could buy, but yeah. that was a bit of a stretch. Uh, he runs away. <laughs> and then the final scene is his funeral. I think, it, what is it, 37 years later? 37 years later. 30, yeah. 37 years later, after he's lived a long, 37. happy life. 37. That's another Jersey connection. Try not to suck any more dicks on the way across the parking lot. <laughs> Actually, I messed that line up. There's no more in there. Try not to suck any dicks on your way across the parking lot. Um, anyway, sorry. Uh, so he's lived a long, happy life, gotten remarried, had a bunch of kids. Um, and we see Matt and Helen in the back of the church sniping at each other. When they leave the funeral, we see they take off their veils. We see their skin is falling off and they're falling apart. Mm-hmm. They fight over something stupid. They fall down the stairs and shatter to bits at the bottom. End of movie. Do you remember where you parked the car? Right. That's the last line. Do you remember where you parked the car? And it's just two heads. (laughs) And one of them is tapping her fingers, her like disembodied fingers. Just pieces of bodies. (laughs) Yes. How did I do? Did I do okay? I think you did a wonderful job. Okay. Thank you so much. I've never struggled more to not interrupt, though, only because this movie is so quotable. Everything you said, I wanted to follow up with a quote. Right. Perfect. Which we did, but uh, from the other from another movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, um, for, for those who wonder why I just brought up sucking dicks, it's from Clark's. I'm not just a random psycho. <laughs> it's every time I hear the number 37 it for the truly, last 20 years. It's oh my god, in yeah. My, yeah, my brain. Been, it truly didn't even occur to me that somebody might not Yeah. There's a No, there are uh, people out there who haven't seen Clark's, I'm sure. One of the first like local bands that I used to um, go see play a lot, who I'm so sorry that everything we talk about here does in some way tie back to, I'm only halfway sorry to Jersey or our yeah. Jersey podcast, but um, friend of New Jersey's Earl Joe Polito, his local band, his 
his local band. His band when I was growing up was a band called 37 Slurp. Yes. Um. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So. No, I do. I, I have meant to express appreciation to our listeners who aren't from New Jersey because we do talk about it so much. It's got to be sort of like this part of the podcast where you're like, whatever, I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know. We appreciate you if you're not from Jersey and you still stick around for all this nonsense because it's... If you are somebody who joined us in the first place because you're a Yellow Jackets fan and you're not from New Jersey, you're like part of our like gold club listeners. Like, <laughs> I love you so much. I just cannot imagine I know. having to deal with us without having either of those two things. And it's literally, common. we can't help it. Like, no. we just can't. Like, I literally just posted a picture of Jersey tomatoes on my Instagram 20 minutes ago. Like, it's, I, it's just true. who we are. It's tr- It's not an exaggeration. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's so obnoxious. It's funny, too, because think about all of the different kind of people where you're like, oh, you made blah, 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 your whole personality. Isn't mm-hmm. that nice? And I'm like, I did it, too, though. I did it, too. Of course too. you did. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to explain yourself? Tell me why this movie. I mean, I get it, but. I do think more than maybe any other movie I've brought to the show, this one is the most obvious, I think. Probably. Right? Yeah. It's, um, I think about, I the first time I thought about this movie in terms of Yellow Jackets um, was we'd already been talking about what we were going to do in the off season. Mm-hmm. And in um, season two of Yellow Jackets, this isn't really a, Jody, I'll say it and then you tell me if it's a spoiler and we'll cut it. Um, there's a dream sequence in season two of Yellow Jackets that is cartoonishly ghoulish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's um, mm-hmm. uh, that's not a spoiler. What is her name? What Christina is Ricci? No, Melanie Linsky. Oh, you're thinking of that one. I was thinking of a different one. Oh, you were thinking about knife hands. Yeah, I was thinking about. Um, the musical number. Oh, that one too. Yeah, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the sort of like uh Broadway ish vibe. Yeah, the like but kind of like dark and weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I was specifically talking about Shauna Shauna Electric Knife Hands. Yeah. Um, also again gruesome, but in a really cartoonish way where it's yeah. like. Um, and this the movie only is... kind of gore that I can handle. Yeah, it needs exactly. To be cartoonish. I had and a that's harder what this, time this with movie. Yeah, I had a harder time with the early plastic surgery moment where he's like pointing uh, at her eyelids. Yeah, than I did with anything else in this movie. That <laughs> I, I was like, that. I had my hand in the in the screen blocking it just yeah. in case we saw anything. Um, I'm just such a fan of a of a weird black comedy. I love love love. Um, l- like just weird again like robert zemeckis making who framed roger rabbit and this movie with just a couple of years between makes a ton of sense Mm -hmm. um i like um this movie isn't at all a horror movie but it's got horror elements and we've talked a lot about how much i love like horror comedy yeah um comedy horror whatever you want to call it it's got it's got everything i did i texted you um halfway through my rewatch to say just a reminder i did watch this movie in the theater (laughs) i was six years old that's insane to me well because i think i was trying to figure it out and i think it was that like for some reason i don't know if it was just my family we just thought like ratings were any rating is fine or it's r like i think in my family's head pg-13 might as well have been g right does that make sense no oh 
I don't think that's normal. I mean, maybe it is, but like, no, my, my parents paid attention to those ratings. Yeah, I, I think my mom was just like, if it's not rated R, it's fine. I, I can't imagine watching this movie at six years old because you wouldn't understand a lot of the sort of like satire of it. No, and I'm sure that I didn't. But what I did understand was it's funny when you get hit in the head with a shovel. Right. Because I grew up on like Looney Tunes. Exactly. And yes. Ren and Stimpy was 1991. So I would have already been obsessed with Ren and Stimpy. Because um, what year was so this? 92? 92. Yeah. Um, so, I I mean, it was, uh, yeah. So it was that sensibility that drew you to it, not the commentary on <laughs> women's aging uh, and beauty to watch. Because and... I'm watching this as a woman just a few years older than the women in this movie. Yeah. Are they playing? I was trying to figure out, and I'm just bad at math and also what the movie was saying. I know she says Goldie, she says... Helen, who's the more bookish one, hell. I even that's Helen so mad. fun that the yeah. Helen Mad, yeah, mm -hmm. is so fun. Um, that uh at one point, um, I think it's at the book party because it's the first time that that Madeline realizes that that Helen has gotten hot and right. she um somebody asks how old she is and she says she's 50 was goldie hawn goldie hawn wasn't quite that old right i think they're no. both playing a little older so they could be sort of like aged yeah. down right yeah meryl streep was 40 i want to say 43 ish mm -hmm. um when the, she filmed this movie and i'm I, a girl <laughs> goldie hawn was probably a similar Age. Yeah, I, I think she's maybe just a couple of years. We could, f if only there if were. If only the internet Jody, existed. If only there were some way to figure this out. Goldie That's my bad. Born when? <laughs> Goldie 45. Hawn, 45. So she's 77. So she's a little bit older than. Um, I think she's a couple years older than Meryl Streep. So they were actually playing pretty close to their age. They're just both stunning. So it's so it's... yeah. Goldie Hawn is three years older than Meryl Streep. Okay. Um. But yeah, they're playing early fifties, I think, and they were actually like mid to early forties. Yeah. So barely. Yeah. Um. um. But yeah. So for me, watching this, it was like, yikes! As I get fed like serums and shit on TikTok every day. Yeah. Like. Well this movie is another example of it happens. It's happened a few times with us where it's like. I'm trying to think of some examples, but this movie is a send up. It's definitely satire, mm -hmm. but in a way that is like, but it's also like this movie kind of only works with these two leads because they are already beautiful and stunning. Yeah. Like, and, and that we're supposed to think of them as it, like it isn't supposed to be ridiculous that they're the ages that they are. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's kind of two things going on here. And one is this is positive, I think, a positive commentary. Mm -hmm. But the other is just like, still just Hollywood being yeah. Hollywood. It's it's really interesting. Well, and I think where I see that the most is in the like, sort of extreme fat phobia in this in this movie. Oh, my God. Like, as soon as it started, because at first, you know, they're both, they look like themselves, basically. Right. And then when... Madeline steals Helen's husband. Helen turns into literally like every Republican's dream of a single older woman. Yeah. And dream by dream, I mean like projection. 
of right. the crazy cat lady with eating eating frosting. Um, she's buying frosting in bulk. Because she starts out and she it's like there's a little bit of a like if you skip that that scene, it's a little bit of like a never been kissed thing where she's like she's bookish. She's literally a writer, but she's wearing like a brown sweater mm-hmm. vest. She's got like a a pretty um like a like mousy a kind cut. of bowl cut. Mm-hmm. It's not really a bob. Yeah. Um mousy is she's a good got word a cat. She has one um, cat. She has one cat. So you know she's teetering. Yes. Like one wrong. One cat you know. leads to many cats. <laughs> I only have two, thank you. Um, <laughs> so then it's, you know, it kind of pushes her over. It's really... The, the fat suit in this was, like, not great. It's... It's convincing, about, but it's kind of gross. Yeah, the thing about fat suits, this movie for the time, special again... Robert Zemeckis coming off of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which is revolutionary. Yeah, if, it's another movie. If you've never seen that, the only reason we're not doing it here is because we've both seen it. But I'm yeah. uh, truly obsessed with that movie, um, and it still holds up in just about every way. And mm-hmm. the effects are incredible. And this one too kind of revolutionized uh, special effects at the time. Yeah, it and... won an Academy Award for effects. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, she's eating frosting and surrounded by screaming cats. But but my point though is that that fat suit is bad and fat suits like I don't I mean I know quote like why they're in movies but they always first of all they always look bad they never mm-hmm. look like a real person Mm-mm. I mean all the way up through I, I don't really care to talk about it I didn't even see the movie Brendan and Fraser I love Brendan Fraser but I yeah. don't I have complicated feelings about yeah. all of that but that like didn't. Did well, the, didn't that movie get nominated for its effects or its makeup? It did. It looks it looks bad. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and my, I, my issue and with I don't it think is... that's just a fat suit. I think no. he put on weight and makeup, like yeah. and practical like effects and makeup. And then also, I think pro- my guess is probably some CGI. I don't know if that's true. I don't true. know either. Um, my issue with it is just right. that, that that is associated with her psychological state that it's like it's oh she let herself go you know it's such an easy yeah. shorthand yeah. and i don't think anybody questioned it no in 1992 i'm sure i wouldn't have it, if i'd watched it then yeah it communicates everything you needed to yeah. and even like you said you know you said earlier you wanted to talk about this little stretch of 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 time with with helen in she gets taken away because she gets evicted and now you want to talk about her stay at the mental hospital just briefly i they didn't give us much but um so, okay, so she's eating frosting. She has a ton of cats. She is being evicted by her her super or whatever. They're banging on the door. The cops come in. One of the guys is reading Miranda writes off a card. <laughs> I didn't notice that this first day on the job. I was like, that's, you should know this. He's reading the Miranda writes off You and off I card. probably could deliver someone their Miranda writes. Yes, like at this absolutely. Um, but they She's t- watching Madeline's death scene on yeah. repeat, which is really funny, I it's think. It's really funny. Um, I think the movie is called like there's a movie called Dark Windows. Maybe that's what she's watching, <laughs> which is a perfect name for like a movie yeah. movie. So she's taken to the psych hospital, and my immediate notes to myself was, "Where was this filmed?" And I cannot fucking find out. If any of our listeners have better research skills than me, which I, I have good research skills, but mm-hmm. I could not find out. It, it must have been a soundstage that they created. Right, that would be my guess then. But it looks so much like. So one of my sort of like all time important movies to me is Girl Interrupted, which was filmed mm-hmm. at Harrisburg State Hospital in Pennsylvania. That ha- it ha- looks very, very similar to that. It has like a lot of the 
sort of shorthand of that kind of mental hospital right which was well that's the kind that what i wonder yeah yeah, is if there if you know because the whole lot of filmed in los angeles uh-huh. And so there aren't, as far as I know, any of those types of Kirkbride buildings left in Los Angeles or there probably I don't think there were that many to begin with. Mm-hmm. The closest one that I know of. Is, I know too much about this, but the closest <laughs> one I know of is in is in Oregon. That's um, interesting. Then probably a soundstage. Yeah. Right? I mean, Oregon this movie is where, had a huge budget, but yeah, Oregon is where the uh, one flew over one flew over the cuckoo's nest was filmed was the hospital oh. in Oregon. OK, um, but it looks so much like it. The color palette, the like. To the point where I was convinced that they had shot it somewhere on location. So, so that's either a great, dresser, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. either a great eye for detail or they did and we just don't have a yeah. record of that. It could, I feel like it could really go either way. Yeah. But it's the psych hospital part of this is treated just as lightly as everything else. Like mm-hmm. they're sitting in group and they're like, you know, Helen, do you want to share? And she's like, I do. And she starts to say like, I want to talk about Madeline Ashton and everyone in the room starts like screaming. Uh huh. It is funny. It, I, I feel like as a crazy person, I can say something like what I'm about to say, yeah. <laughs> which is like, it's funny that she's so crazy that she's driving the crazy people crazy. That's, like, that, that, that's the whole point of that scene. I yeah. Think. Yeah. I, I like that. I think that's, yeah. I, I related hard to a, a background character in that scene that was holding a ping pong paddle and just like slowly rolling the ball around to see how long <laughs> they could hold it on the ping pong paddle. I was like, yeah. Yeah, that's that's, that's, that's my what whole I would thing. Be doing. Um, <laughs> you would be s- snipping little pieces of fiber with a pair of scissors. <laughs> is what you would be doing. I think that's your equivalent. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably, I would be weaving rugs in the corner. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's a brief it's a brief period where she's in the psych hospital. Basically, they say like, oh, you know, the the nurse or doctor says you need to eliminate something something and she latches on to the word eliminate yeah you know what's funny is talking about the weight stuff there she that that doctor whoever is like telling her you know you've been here however long and, and you haven't her, even yep go ahead she says you haven't you lost one pound yep which like is the like, first thing she says oh so this is how we're measuring her mental mm-hmm. she says a couple of one or two other things but in that list i think like you said it's i think it's the first one yep it's literally her weight it is, is i a, wrote that down i said love that the mm-hmm. most important thing is her weight yep yeah eh, so um so that's then not great we kind of leave her there and go back to madeline and Ernest. yeah we get one of my big laughs in this movie for some reason is tickles me is that another seven years later Right. They're yeah. like racing through the first 15 or whatever years of this movie. Yep. Which I is, like. We find That's out that fun. Ernest is now um, the on-call undertaker for like famous people. Yeah. He's like he and Madeline are both miserable. He's. Yeah. But exceedingly wealthy. Oh, yeah. Insane house. Insane house. Um. <laughs> so. I, my notes are so insane. He's doing dead people, question mark. Yikes, I hate blood. That's a terrible French accent. Who is this guy? Well, when her boss comes in and calls her out on whatever, she drops it immediately. Yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a fake accent. Yeah. Uh, which is, again, another funny little, that's what I mean about this being a cartoon. It's not necessary. It's yeah. just a silly little bit. And there's We're a doing lot voices of and stuff in this movie. It reminds me of other movies that we have talked about. Um, not in this series, but between us about movies that we both have attachments to where it's like just 
the writers are just doing bits and jokes for each other. Yeah. In a way. So like, Mm -hmm. um, it's very, um, history of the world part. It's very Mel Brooks almost like, yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Like just the little silly jokes that like are just there to be a little funny moment that doesn't really contribute to anything, but just is like a giggle for the writers to give each other. Yeah. That, that little, that accent bit for sure. It also reminds me of now that you're saying that, have you seen, and have we talked about Mannequin and or Mannequin 2? We haven't talked about it, but I have seen Mannequin and Mannequin okay. 2. Um, Count Spretzel's um, moving mole. Mm, mm-hmm. it, like, it reminds me of, yes. of that. Like, those kinds of things where it's like, didn't need to be in the movie. Yeah. Total- and these are silly movies already. And the fact that, like, they, even like even within that, these, yeah. like, extra, even sillier moments that don't really make sense, but are just because it's, it's like, it's who fun. cares? Yeah, exactly. It's fun. It reminds exactly. me of that. There's a moment um, right after she goes home from the spa where she um, is in the car with Ernest, her husband, on the way to Helen's book party. And she says, mm-hmm. could you not breathe? And I have been there. <laughs> I have been to the point in a relationship where I'm so <laughs> over that person that them just breathing is like, absolutely not. Yeah, they... I, it's an obvious thing to say, but man, they hate each other yeah. so much. I mean, I will say everyone in this movie kind of sucks. Yeah. Like I, everybody's bad. I kind of like that. I like like that these are just kind of like despicable people. And it, it kind of only works that way because then you don't feel bad for anybody. Yeah. If, if if you feel bad for anybody, I guess it's Ernest, but I but don't he's feel so bad, bad for him. Too. He's yeah, like, the, he's not a good I mean, he tries to kill his wife eventually. <laughs> she, she's so mean to him. Yeah. He's so mean to her. Yeah. Everybody's so mean Everybody's to everybody. They, terrible. They all deserve each other. And so it's fun to watch them yeah. hit each other in the head with shovels. <laughs> On guard, bitch. <laughs> That's a great line. It's so funny. Yeah. I also noticed like a lot of the sort of early 90s styling in this was really fun to revisit. Like the big hair was just such a like Goldie Hawn's sort of like very hot rollered, beautiful red hair. Mm-hmm. You know what I was thinking about is watching some of the earlier movies like um, Heather's is a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And to me, those movies and like Heather's is super stylized and over the top and whatever. But I could see it for that. I was watching this movie and I was like. These people look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Because this, like, this was just, you know, they were so glamorous in my head in 1992 that, like, yeah. when well, that white blazer dress, like, wrap dress shirt thing, I don't even know what you call it, that um, that Matt is wearing when she falls down the steps the first time. She's wearing it with, like, black, I think, like, capris. Mm-hmm. But it is, like, it's an inverted triangle. It's yeah. so wide at the top. Yeah. It's, like... It's amazing. Meryl Streep looks incredible in this movie. She's perfect. I mean, she's always perfect, but in this especially. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Meryl Streep, child of Basking Ridge, New Jersey. (laughs) Somerset County. That's our queen. Yeah. Well, so just we got to indulge ourselves for a minute here because we're about to the point where that line came up and I texted Mm -hmm. you a screenshot of it. It's when Goldie goes to visit Ernest. Helen's not... or. Meryl's not there mm-hmm. and they're, she's talking about him leaving her, I think. Right. And she says, you left me for 
whatever. Yeah. Uh, she's a woman. Whatever she from and Newark, for God's sakes. Newark, for God's sake. Yeah. Which, should we talk about it? Where do we think? Yeah, because what that sets up is, and they talk about it. When, so, toward the end of the movie, when they have their breakthrough, the two of them. Yeah. When Helen and Madeline realize they need to kind of, like, put all of that behind them because they're Clear the only the one the other one has. And, yeah. and all of that. Um, Helen admits that she'd always thought of Madeline as cheap. Yeah. And you know that that's because of where she was from. She right. even says like, like she didn't like having her in her house for that reason. Right. Um, so Madeline's from Newark. Where then is Helen from? Do we think? And now you're at the North Jersey side of this. Yeah. So you but, can say whatever disparaging thing you want. I can't. But keep in mind where I grew up, I was so, 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 so North Jersey like isolated North Jersey that like Newark was South Jersey to me. That's so insane. It's very listeners. Much... If Look you're from New Jersey, you know, that's crazy. If you're not from New Jersey, I need to tell you, it is truly the craziest thing anybody could say is that Newark is South Jersey. On it's a map, not even, it's clearly not, but it's not even central. It's no. not even like it's Newark is firmly North Jersey. I know. I know that now. Bergen County is you people are nuts. We're an island. I know. <laughs> um, so I would only say I know this from listening to Geth talk, but I feel like Livingston is probably right. where she's from. It's got to be one of the more like, yeah, hoity toity or like kind of. Basking Ridge, where Meryl Streep is originally from. I'll bet it's Basking Ridge now that you say that. You know, all right, we've gotten the Jersey bit out of our system. I wondered if that was Meryl Streep's actual yearbook photo in Helen's like display of oh, craziness. That display of craziness, her weird little yeah, shrine or whatever is altar. Yeah, is really good. She's got her painted up in like clown makeup. And yeah, that cat. It's like, yeah. Um. So this is about when we meet Liesel. I still feel like I'm saying that wrong, but Liesel, um, because. Madeline sees her young, young, whatever boyfriend. Dakota. Yeah, Dakota. Very funny name for that person. With a younger woman. And so she finally gives in and goes to this, like, woman that's been referenced to her by the spa guy. Her home is, like, where, how. It's Frankenstein's, like, castle. It's truly Frankenstein's castle. Yeah. It's the... That home and and everything about it is like you were saying that kind of like almost Mel Brooks feeling. Mm-hmm. Like there's a scene toward the end when um, Ernest is up at the top mm-hmm. and the North Tower has an exit sign. Yeah, it's like North Tower exit yeah. with an arrow. Yeah, like that kind of stuff is very Mel Brooks. Yep, totally. This is where we meet Isabella Rossellini's character. Uh, hey, has anybody ever mentioned that she's stunning? Has, am I the first person to note that Isabella she Rossellini is insane in this movie? Unreal, oh unreal. And I know that part of it is that they've like, you know, she's she's like literally bejeweled. She's like dripping in jewels mm-hmm. and has you know like a perfect red lip and mm-hmm. and all of that. But she's also just it, she's, she's perfect. so incredible. She's incredible to watch. Yeah. I, apparently, in an early draft of the script, she was literally going to be Cleopatra. I was going to ask you when you said yeah. something. I, you you referenced her looking like Cleopatra, yeah, and I was a, thinking like there's a real Egyptian it, thing going on. It's funny that they didn't just have her be Cleopatra. Now that you mentioned that, because in the party scene, yeah, 
Elvis is there. Yep. Andy Warhol's there, like yep. which is another very fun. Yeah, like they didn't have to do that, but it's so fun that they do. Yeah, they could have like, made her. That's apparently what she was originally going to be. It was just Cleopatra. I wonder why they. they didn't I don't know do because they kept a lot of the Egyptian stuff. Like there's, yeah, I think the box has like an onk on it mm-hmm. or something. Also, that box looked like it was from fucking Michaels. I'm sorry. <laughs> When they pick it up, it's supposed to be like golden and like probably heavy. And it's just like mm-hmm. very yep. light, very like cardboard <laughs> with spray paint on it kind of box. Yeah. All of all of that is, again, I'm going to say it a million times. It's because this movie is just a cartoon. Yeah. Like, re- like even the actual potion, the way it's like swirling and illuminated. Yeah. It's like a little mini lava lamp. Yep. Um, she... I I mean one of the one of the reasons that she can't be Cleopatra is one of the big laughs for me is when she asks Helen to or she asks is when she asks Madeline to guess how old she is and oh. she says like you know don't she's like don't don't worry about it funny she's 38 in her face she's like 28 3 23 she's yeah. 71 years old I think apparently um, though Isabella Rossellini was actually 38 or 39 when this movie was filmed um also apparently I literally wrote in my notes that fabio looking dude it actually was him it's fabio yeah they're dressed like 90s wrestlers or like um american gladiator but purple yes american gladiator definitely so silly with the dobermans oh my god the like jewel collared dobermans yes it's always raining in this movie. There's always, it's like, always thunder and lightning. Too. Yeah, you hardly ever see anybody in daylight. I love all of that so much. It's such a moody, but like moody in a very silly, over the top. Yeah, it, it's like it. This movie almost feels like, in a weird way, um, like those, uh, why am I like Universal movie, Universal monster movies? Like it's got that hmm. kind of mm-hmm. um, feel to it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And like when whenever Ernest is running around in his like kiss the chef apron, he just looks like Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, definitely. Um, And with her on the table. I mean, this is mm-hmm. a little bit later, but when he's like spray painting her. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is where they really lay on it thick. The um, God isn't at heart aging as a woman. Mm-hmm. She talks about how it like ebbs away from you and like. They show Meryl Streep's apparently full of age spot hand. I, I like, know that they needed a way to communicate the de-aging, but it's like, yeah, I don't know anybody in there. Like, and if you do, you yeah. know, good, good You've for been you. Outside a aging. Lot. Exactly. That's fine. But she's like, she looks like, like, they look like my Nana's hands mm-hmm. when she was 75 or 80 years yes. old, but yeah. fine. What? Yeah. But yeah. Um. And then this is, I think, one of your favorite lines happens here after she drinks the potion. <laughs> and so I'm a girl. It's so. Oh, no, I, mean, I was talking about the other line. Oh. Now a warning. Oh, now a warning. Now a warning. Yeah. Her. Perfect line, delivery. It's, it's Meryl Streep. So, of course, everything she says is perfect. But everything she says, her and Go- all they're all fantastic, obviously, in this movie. Yeah. Meryl Streep, every line is perfect. Like she just, and it's so funny. This is like post, like yeah, out of Africa and Sophie's Choice, and the fact that then she comes in and does this movie is, yeah, it's now a warning. Now she, a warning. It's a good. It, she just delivers it so well. Yeah, 
And so she gets that warning. This is when you find out that because it's kind of, it stops the aging process, like anything that happens to your body then is permanent. Yeah. So she says like, take, you have to take care of yourself, which mm -hmm. to me was like, well, but shouldn't you not have to take care of yourself? Like, right. Isn't that sort that of seems the point? Unfair. Yeah. Yeah. But then we find out pretty quickly why. Yeah. Um, this is also where I realized, so she goes home, she's like de-aged, she looks like she's been photoshopped in real time. Well, they they show her looking in the mirror watching it happen, yeah. and the sound effects are, are again, so cartoonish and yeah. silly. Yeah, her They're butt like, perks up. Yeah. Her boobs rise. Mm -hmm. Which That I'm a girl line is troublesome. It's yeah. funny in the way she delivers it and in the context of that movie, but it is also like, maybe this is a, overthinking it a little, but it is kind of upsetting to think about the fact that her like status as a first of all as a girl as opposed to woman that's mm -hmm. troublesome in its own but it's also like her tie to femininity to being a woman yeah has to do with like beauty and youth yeah that she's like she was a quote girl woman whatever i'm using them sort of you know before like while her boobs were still like slightly <laughs> saggier you know what i mean it's not even like meryl streep so, yeah. at 43 was fucking stunning already yeah but, she was doing great um i don't know if you saw this but um apparently they built like a special bra to try to do that effect where her boobs rise <laughs> for it to be like a practical effect uh-huh but apparently it didn't get the realistic result they were looking for so somebody stood behind her and just with their hands and just <laughs> lifted her boobs up yep. yep oh no someone from wardrobe hid behind meryl can you imagine <laughs> that's your job no no I don't know that I could do it. It's fucking Meryl Streep. You can't put your hands on Meryl Streep oh anywhere. Oh my god! I wouldn't shake her hand. I know. I'm not good enough for that. Somebody was just standing back there. Just boop. Yep. And again. One at a time. ten years after Sophie's Choice. <laughs> this isn't... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, she's already you Meryl can't... Streep. <laughs> oh I my can't. god. I can't handle that. Um... But yeah, so she, this is, okay, so I also had a weird realization in this moment. I was assuming the giant house they were in was her money because mm -hmm. she was an actress. But there's a, um, when Ernest is talking to, I guess, Helen about um, getting a divorce, mm -hmm. she says something about like divorce in California because it's an even split mm -hmm. and how he shouldn't do that or wouldn't want to do that because she, she would get his money and i realized when this um when i saw that scene that actually we're supposed to believe that he's like a super 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 rich undertaker yeah i know well and i think because because she's like a washed back, up quote unquote washed yeah, up actress if you go back to the beginning of the movie that's another thing that's really like kind of remarkable is her opening number she's so good at yeah. playing at playing washed up but in a way where she's still like I pace where she's still like charming and interesting to watch and it's like that number is cheesy and bad but it's still like you're she's like oh, I kind of get yeah and I kind of get why the little bit of the little like do the hustle sample mm -hmm. in the middle that's so cheesy and like I wrote down that... if this is what Broadway was like I'd like it <laughs> <laughs> well and that's like an earnest being already he's like He's I forget if he calls her stunning or what. He's, but like, he's a super like, fan, though. Yeah. And so it's like you kind of get it, even though that number is so stupid and cheesy. But I think 
that's another interesting thing is that like all of their money, his money doesn't come from him being a plastic surgeon, right. which is a, what's even more lucrative for him. Yeah. Is touching up stars after they've died after they've died yeah because everybody's so like image and legacy obsessed yeah i think is yeah but this is the point in the movie where we go from like silly to full-on like surrealist absurdity because we get the point where um helen and ernest are plotting madeline's death in like a most ridiculous way that was a very elaborate plot the like the, the one that uh, with the Helen describes, yeah, yeah, in the car and mm-hmm. the like Mulholland Drive and all of that. It's very fun the way that's shot because it's happening like yeah. on screen, but she's narrating it for us. Yes, yeah. again, very. It's a clever kind of way of showing that. Yeah, but instead he just pushes her down the stairs. <laughs> she, you sent me a text that mm-hmm. was like that fall down the stairs like a a ton of bricks or a mm-hmm. bag of rocks. I bag think. of rocks. I counted. There are only twenty steps. She, that hits she them actually all like falls down. She... <laughs> I love a movie that's like, does it make sense? No. no. Is it funny? Yes. Yeah. Go with it. Like this movie just sets it up that it's so fine. It doesn't matter. It is such a good gag that she falls for such a long time. So long. And she and even she's at the top of the stairs. The way she's teetering does not make sense in no. terms of physics. No. She's and like leaning just, back for, yeah. you know, 30 seconds, completely unbalanced. She, boy, does she go down. It's so, it's such a good gag. So this it's, is the only part of this movie that I actually kind of knew about, which is like the special effects, sort of like crazy um, twisted bodies and holes in Goldie Hawn's body because of the cover of the, this is, this movie came out about two or three years before I worked at the video store. <laughs> In Jersey. So I saw the cover. You this, looked at that cover. That box times. was all over the place. Yeah. I, I had to reshelve this movie a whole bunch. They kind of hold up. Like you can tell that it's like green screen around yeah. Meryl and stuff a lot. But like. Yeah. It it looks pretty good. It's not bad. For 92. It's obviously was huge. Yeah. Um, But God. I mean like. If you liked Ernest at all. In the beginning of this movie. Which I didn't. You really. He's just the worst. He's just the worst. He's like whiny. He's blaming her for everything, even though he could have left her a million times. Mm-hmm. Like she's a bitch, but he's he's the like biggest enabler out there. Totally, yeah. He's obviously like she's got her face all right. Like he's obviously still doing work on her up to this point. And yeah, um, yeah. So she dies, but doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's. I can see my ass. Yeah. Like, all of that is so good. Yeah. Um, so they go to the hospital. I know. I don't know what either one of them thought was going to happen at the hospital. I don't know. I don't know. I wrote down, can a dead person faint? Because she <laughs> right? faints in the hospital and wakes up yeah. in the morgue. Yeah. Again, good bit. That's Sydney Pollock, by the way, is the yeah. doctor. Yeah. He's, he's great. Another, I'm sorry that this episode is just going to be me being like, oh, another good spot. Oh, and a funny line yeah. is when Ernest is drinking from his flask and mm-hmm. Sidney Pollock is like, oh, you mind if I eat some of that? And they're drinking together. Yeah. <laughs> Why are the nuns floating? That This is where I started to be like, okay, either this is going to be completely over the top and I don't need to 
think about reality anymore mm-hmm. or something else is going on and it turns out I just didn't need to think about reality anymore because yeah. the nuns float by for some reason and it's yeah. ne- never just, explained. It looks, it looks funny. They're nuns. Yeah. And they've got their habits and they're kind of floating because right. I guess like religious. Yeah. And because it's like weird. Yeah. Like that's it. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, wait, is this... <laughs> Is, is he dead? Like you had your yellow jackets brain I was, on. I was thinking way too hard about it. It was just funny. Maybe they were on roller skates. Who knows? They were floating. <laughs> it reminds me. It's got like kind of like uh, less less fantastical, but still like Beetlejuice vibes. That's definitely into the morgue vibes. with the yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Um, so they go back home so he can fix her with mm-hmm. his magic spray paint. Um, uh, which we know about, I should say, from the book party. Um, he gets recognized right. by somebody, uh, and yeah, his and secret asks is what paint. his yeah. And so he t- he tells her that's what his secret is. Also, do you know who's in that scene? He's only in it briefly. Cause he apparently was supposed to be in the movie more, but was cut. Um, uh, cast to play her agent is Jonathan Silverman. Oh, I did see that he was supposed to be in there, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't catch him. Um. He's the one who, when they ask, like, who, who is that? And he says, uh, huh. Yeah. I missed it. One of my favorite lines is, is in this section where he realizes, Ernest realizes that Madeline is some sort of like, or thinks that he doesn't know about the serum yet. So he thinks that mm-hmm. she's some sort of otherworldly, like miracle. And he says, you're a sign. You're an omen. You're a burning bush. <laughs> I was like, I like that. It's pretty good. I like that. Pretty good. This sparks the big confrontation with the three of them. And we get we get the scene with the shotgun. This whole movie is really build up to that. And then we just have to have something happen so the movie can end. Like that. Yeah. I very so much felt that. I felt yeah. like that scene where they on guard, bitch, where they like have a <laughs> shovel fight. Uh-huh. And Ernest can is see like, right through you. Yeah. It's oh just, my god. And all the visual bits. gags mm-hmm. and like the two of them deciding to team up instead of like hate each other. Yeah. I felt like that could have been the ending of the movie. The two of them realizing that they shouldn't be fighting each other. They're stuck mm-hmm. together for because of this. But then there's like a whole other piece of the movie that feels a little tacked on to me to be honest. I was like Yeah. It feels to me like they were like, you know, movie structure we need one more thing yeah like this movie needs another beat and, yeah and it's fine it's you know it's fine it felt a little extra but mm-hmm. um i wrote but, are but... they in plato's cave because <laughs> you see the two of them uh shovel oh. fighting in the shadows <laughs> that's right um she when the it's there's so many we could ju- i could like all there's so many good visual gags mm-hmm. built into this it's like you know they just sat in the writer's room and they were like what can we, maybe yeah. not writer's room, but you know, yeah. like how many can we wring out of this? Because the one shovel breaks, so she's got a spear mm-hmm. and she throws it, but it passes right through right. Um, Hell's stomach. And she's, first she celebrates, she's like, yes, damn yeah. it. Because it's not what she actually wanted to happen. Right. And then Helen sits on the couch and it comes like perfectly <laughs> uh, seated. So it comes right through her. <laughs> yeah. Um, also the scene where, uh, Ernest decides he's leaving and he's like got his dartboard. He's like, <laughs> I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I was like, why is he holding the dartboard? Anyway. It's like um, it's uh Yardley Smith packing her marbles. <laughs> you don't yeah. always 
quite appropriately. No station wagons in this movie, I don't think. No, I didn't see any. It's it's Los Angeles. No malls in this movie, I don't think. Oh my god, that's sad. I fucked up. Yeah, you did. Forget this. Let's cut this recording. <laughs> I wrote that they should have just ended with them being friends. I know. Um, but they don't. They go back no. to yeah, th- Lisa's. Because this movie is kind of a bummer. It's like pretty yeah. gen. It's like a dark comedy, but it's also just kind of dark. Yeah. No, I, I read an article about it that was basically like, this movie is just the bleakest possible mm-hmm. view of humanity. Um, but we go back to Liesel's and um, they're trying to convince Ernest to take the the serum so he lives forever, basically to be their worker. Yeah. To keep up their appearances. This is also another one of those little gags, the three men that Liesel has. <laughs> Dick, Tom, Harry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They do switch. I the the thing that trips me up with that not trips me up, but I was like, oh, that's a they wrestled over that is they don't say Tom, Tom Dick, Dick and, Harry, and Harry, which is the order. Yep. So it's like it's this is so such a small little thing to fixate on, but I was like, I wonder if they went back and forth, like because the joke is really obvious. It's yeah. a silly joke. But that they were like, yeah, but it can't be so obvious. We've got to mix it up a little bit. It's right. like a very strange choice. But yeah, they're Tom, Dick, and Harry. Again, so silly and stupid. Yeah. And we get this party scene um, mm-hmm. where it's like all of her clients and we get all of the... the there like, are so many of them. This weirdly made me think of the Rosemary's Baby ending. Oh, yeah. Where there's like the gathering, the secret gathering of all the people who are in on the like... And the... it's people we haven't seen the whole movie. So then you're like, oh, this is a much bigger right. yeah. thing than we realized. Yeah. yeah. But this one has like Andy Warhol and uh, Marilyn Monroe and Elvis. Yeah. And so we have their big, this is the thing that has to happen. So yeah. fine. And that's like, that's what this feels like to me. It just doesn't do a whole lot. Um, no. I they feel go like... back and forth. And it's like, you know, we've already had to me, the climax of the movie, which is the two of them mm-hmm. confronting each other and deciding to like team up and whatever. Um, but instead we get him, Ernest, running away from them because he realizes that like, it's so much bigger than he thinks it is. And mm-hmm. um, this is where we get the scene that you were talking about where he's up on the roof and he's like trying to get to the other side of the roof where the exit sign is. But instead, he slips and falls, and they tell him to drink the potion so that even though he falls, he'll be okay. Yeah, he's, like, basically, I don't know if he's actually hanging by his suspenders, but it's, again, it's another, like, cartoony, kind of, like, yeah. wily e. Coyote bit. 100%. Uh, and yeah. he uh, drops the potion because he realizes it's going to be the three of them, like you said. Yeah. Which it kind of has been for him all this time, and he's been miserable. Right. Forever. Yeah. A little bit earlier, he said, which I thought was funny, um... When she, when Liesel says, you know, live forever. And he says, then what? Yeah. What if I get bored? Mm-hmm. What if I get lonely? Like, you can see that's kind of what's going on here for him too. And so he falls into the pool, which again, I don't buy it, that this did not hurt him. It's one of those movie rules. You can, it's also Breath of the Wild, um, Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, it's a Zelda reference for you jody um <laughs> rules where you can fall from any height as long as you land in water right then you're safe right um but he uh, another fun little moment is when he like 
hops into somebody's car and it turns out it's like James Dean's car. <laughs> so, it, again, just how fun in the room to be like, what other little like bits like that can we work in yeah. to this movie? Yeah. And then we get to the funeral and it, it wraps up. We find out that he 37 years later. Yep. That he's escaped and gotten married and told lots of quote-unquote tall tales about the living dead in Beverly Hills. The living dead in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And the two of them are so funny because they're sitting in the back squabbling, mm -hmm. but the 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 priest or whoever's eulogizing him uh, keeps saying things like, he found the secret to eternal youth yeah. here in these children and right, to eternal right. life in his stories right. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And their ears perk up every time, but, you know, they, yeah. they finally have enough of it. Um and they hobble. There's a lot of physical comedy at the end with their They're bodies falling apart. Such good silly walks. Yeah. They've each Very got their good own. Silly walks. They like worked them out together to make sure they weren't exactly the same, but you can tell that yeah. those bodies are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. And they pull back their uh veils and you can see that they are gross. It's gro it is grotesque. It it's is really gross. It's nasty. Yeah. Um and I you almost I it's a comedy and also it's you know, they're also bad people, but like, I almost feel bad for them in this scene. Like, all if I'm gonna, like, this isn't the kind of well, movie where they're trapped where into the rest of eternity in these falling mm -hmm. apart bodies. Like, they can't die. Literally falling apart. Yeah. I, this is the other thing where, again, so cartoony, they, what's her face, slips on um, the can of spray paint that mm -hmm. They did misplace, and you get that mirror of the earlier scene, right? With Ernest, where mm -hmm. she's teetering on her heels, but instead of pushing her, they go down together. Yeah. Um, does she go to push her, and then they she both does? Fall? I think, yeah. But she and she grabs her, and they both because it's mutually assured destruction with right. the two of them, yeah. Um, and they shatter into a million pieces, and it's like you don't see this, but. You could very easily imagine one of them having a pail and a and a mm -hmm. dust br or a pail, a pan, uh, dustpan, pan, a pan and a dust brush and like <laughs> dusting all the pieces up. You know what I mean and putting themselves back together. Yeah, um, yeah. No, the so in regards to the bleakness of it, like one of the reviews that I read um, was from Collider. And it says, like, while on the surface, the movie seems to poke fun at the prospect and consequences of eternal life, it's actually much more than that. A study in the ugliness of envy and revenge and a bleak mm -hmm. indictment of the pointlessness of existence. Yikes. And it, it kind of it is. Kind, it kind of is. Yeah. And it because it's even like you're supposed to, I think, feel like it's like <laughs> Ernest got away from these two women and went on to live because he was away from them. Yeah, it's like these women are what made him sort of, like, you. Know, I don't even know what the word is for him, but sort of like empty. Mm -hmm. Um, and he goes and has this beautiful full life, separate from them. Yeah, but it that it in this movie that feels cheesy, and it's only kind of there to like make Helen and Mad their existence even worse and even more sad. Right. Yeah, uh, like another line in that article was lives become scattered crumbles that even a higher power can't put back together. The yes. message can't get much more unpleasant than this, but Zemeckis has ingeniously packaged it in all into a nonstop laugh fest. So Yeah. Yeah. It you have it almost feels like it shouldn't work, the thing I'm about to say, but what makes it work is how cartoonish it mm -hmm. is. Because you don't see any of these people in this movie as real people, so it's fine. Right. Um did you, in your reading, did you come across the fact that this movie originally had a different ending? I did. Yes. 
Yes. Um, did you listen to Goldie Hawn talk about it? The original ending was, was, was much more poignant because we were not all blotched up and the paint was all screwed up and everything. We were absolutely the same. We were just the same 37 years later. And we were sitting in front of this beautiful backdrop of mountains and lakes, and we were bored, bored. Now they look down and they see this old man, and it's Bruce Willis. And he's touching the hand of this woman, and he's so in love, and he's very close to death. But he has such great quality of his life. And we looked down, and we looked, and, and Meryl said, isn't that pitiful? She said, look how old they are. And I looked at them, and that's when my character was able to really look at them with longing. And she'd say, aren't you glad we're not them? And then I got to lie and say yes and mean no. And that was the end of the movie. And that is really what the movie says. The way she talks about it is so serious that it is kind of off. It's kind of off-putting to me she seems to really wish it had ended with this more poignant ending that i don't think works in a movie like this hmm. it seems like a lot of people think this ending would have been better um but hearing her talk about it i'm like that's a different movie yeah i don't know that this movie needs a like poignant that's what everything i read right. it's like oh it's so much more poignant and i'm like this movie doesn't it hasn't it set us up for earn. that. Yeah. It like doesn't, I was going to say earn, but I don't think it's earn because I don't think this movie, I think this movie is successful in what it's doing. Yeah. Um, it just, what it's doing is not setting you up for that kind of ending. This is like a weird, dark, funny, campy, mean, yeah. <laughs> spirited, but like in a very fun way kind of movie. Yeah. And so it like, I don't know how I would have walked out of that theater at six years old if that had been the ending. Yeah. No, it seems like it doesn't fit with what this movie is actually trying to do. I just don't buy that. I don't Goldie either. Goldie seems really, I'll have played a little bit of it for our listeners. Mm -hmm. um, she seems really kind of like she wishes that had been the ending of the movie. And I don't yeah. really understand that. Although apparently the screenplay, I was, um, there's, as is often the case, there's a fantastic episode of Blank Check about this movie. Mm. Um that came out a, a few years ago. And I think that's where I haven't listened to it um, since, but I think that's where I heard somebody saying um, that apparently the original screenplay is also less dark comedy and more just kind of dark. And hmm. the satire is a little more um, like, like incisive as opposed hmm. to being like this kind of like big broad comedy. And maybe if that were the case, then that um, ending might, make more sense exactly yeah so maybe that's what goldie was kind of holding on when she was goldie holding han no <laughs> no 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 goldie oh. holding no holdy mm -hmm. holdy on holdy sorry on. no <laughs> i refuse all right that's fair yeah they really do look like their names are goldie and meryl yeah they do you know apparently um meryl street vowed after this movie to never do something with this much effects in it again because she said it was incredibly tedious huh yeah she said you stand there like a piece of machinery they should get machinery to do it i loved how it turned out but it's not fun to act to a lampstand <laughs> pretend this is goldie right here uh no i'm sorry bob she went off the mark by five centimeters an hour head won't match her neck it was like being at the dentist 
I love Meryl Streep. God, I love her so much. Yeah. I I know that's like, yeah, obviously. Like, yeah. I have eyes and a head and a heart, but, like, <laughs> she's just, she's just perfect. Yeah. She's the classy version of Jersey Woman. Mm-hmm. What else did mm-hmm. I want to talk about? Oh, the fact that um, Isabella Rossellini was a model for Lancome at the time. Funny. Yeah. She was, like, doing this. She was literally yeah. selling, like, serums and creams. That's she, what I mean about this movie. Yeah. It's so, it, like... She apparently used that to convince them, the the director, to hire her for this movie. She Let me find the quote, because it's really funny. Um, she said... Where is it? Yeah, here it is. It's, so I found a Vulture article, which we'll link to, where she talks about making this movie pretty in-depth. And uh, she said... Who better to spook the aristocratic quest for unremitting beauty than the spokeswoman for Lancome? She said, uh, Robert Zemeckis told her she was one of the first people to test, so he needed to test more people. And she said, I kept on saying, but I work for Lancome. I sell anti-aging cream. I'm the perfect one. (laughs) And then he apparently called her a month later and said, you know what? You're right. The role is yours. Amazing. Yeah. That's really funny. I love that. Yeah. She was like, "This this is me. I think it's perfect. She was right. Yeah. Yeah. That article actually, we'll link to it. It's it's mm-hmm. really interesting. She talks not just about this movie, but she does talk about it in depth, um, about how like she had a body double for the nude scene where she gets out of the pool. And not because mm-hmm. she felt like there was anything wrong with her own body, but that it didn't fit what she envisioned this character would look like. Like, huh? it just, it was a really- that is- she talks a lot about the like about um, nudity in photography because she was in the Madonna sex book and also I think that same year, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Fascinating. So that's a really good article. Uh, yeah, well, we will absolutely link to that. I mean, you did end up making us watch basically a queer movie. Yeah, this movie is absolutely it's a queer, like like it's fully iconic for. Well, especially it, the drag, drag community. Race. Yeah, exactly. It's been um, it was a challenge on Drag Race, um, but there. Did you see the Vanity Fair article? There's a Vanity Fair article um, that is titled. Where is it? Oh, I found it. The gloriously queer afterlife of death becomes her. There Do you it want is. Me to link it. Yeah, Here, let's link I'll it. Drop. Let's link that as well. No, I think it's funny that that it kind of like became a cult classic in the in the specifically in the drag community yeah Um, well it's when we talk you know we're two as two like queer cis women we don't really have like a uh you know i don't want to speak for the drag community of course um but what i will say is this is a movie that is and again like thinking about you know, I, we talked about it a little bit. Meryl saying, I'm a girl. Like, this movie is so concerned with, like, performing mm-hmm. woman and performing feminine. Yeah. Yep. And so it totally makes sense. And also, that like... It's very campy. and It's so campy. And they're literally spray painting their faces yeah. on. And they're, and and they're like, they're campy, cost- campy cartoony villains. Like, you keep yeah. saying it's a cartoon. Like, Disney villain, you know, Disney villains become gay icons for that same reason you know right exactly and disney villains are based on gay I, right it's a i'm gonna say it's yeah a it's a cyclical yeah <laughs> you know it's yeah ursula's literally again i'm not saying anything 
anybody doesn't already know, but Ursula is literally based on divine. Like right. it just, yep. so it, it, it is not surprising at all, but you know, one of, like one of my favorite um, drag queens is Jinx Monsoon. Mm-hmm. I cannot talk today. One of my favorite drag queens is Jinx Monsoon. Mm-hmm. And I think is she mentioned in this article. Yep. Yep. She certainly is. Um, you can see her like she plays. I think Jinx in real Jinx actually kind of in and out of drag looks a lot to me like Goldie Hawn in this movie. Mm. Um, but she uh, t- did like a stage show um, where she plays the Meryl Streep uh character i think yeah well there was a photo shoot where she um embodied it says embodied streep's acid blonde for a death becomes her themed photo shoot and -hmm. also featured the film at the center of her biographical documentary drag becomes him that's so funny so yeah yeah that's a great article it kind of breaks the whole thing down into all the different um all the different references to the drag community apparently jinx monsoon also cited the movie as an inspiration to become a drag queen I love that. Yeah. Awesome. I don't know. I don't have I don't have much else other than as a mid to late 40s woman, I I found this a little depressing because mm-hmm. it's still it's not it's not just Hollywood that is obsessed with youth. Right, right. Well, and the other thing too is that the people be it's like we punish Meryl and we punish Madeline and Helen for being obsessed with youth and beauty Mm -hmm. but the reason they're obsessed with youth and beauty is because society is putting that on them so that's like they're bad people but they're they're monsters that which is often the case with any monster that society creates right so it's hard in in that way like this movie is kind of a bummer because it's like yeah. And 100%. again, we're no we're we're no better. And in a lot of cases, we're we're worse. Like Yeah. No, in uh in our recent tradition of me reading reviews, there's a Washington Post review that says Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn battle Mother Nature, the bitch who invented maturity in Death <laughs> Becomes Her, a film about women by men. It is mostly right, an expensive right. way of warning boomer girls to act their age. Oh yeah. Yikes. Yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, interesting. There is something to like when Meryl Streep is going for all those treatments and stuff. Like many, many, many women my age that I know get like, you know, laser treatments and chemical peels and all that stuff. And like I've considered it. Like I don't look like I looked 10 years ago. I don't look like I looked 20 years ago. You know, you look at pictures of yourself from that age and yeah. there is that like, God, I didn't realize how how good I had it when I was like you know 20 years old part of it too is like our faces are so much more in our own faces now yes. than they were like instagram yes. wasn't i think about i'll talk about and fucking this. zoom meetings yeah and i'll i'm i feel fine saying this on our podcast because they talk about it all the time but like my hosts on i don't get it are all my age or younger than me mm-hmm. by several years i i think um, the youngest one I think is 33 mm-hmm. and I think the oldest one is 36 or 37. Like, forgive me if I'm wrong about your ages. Um, <laughs> they're not listening. It's fine. But, <laughs> but they all are very open and in a way that I kind of, that I like, yeah. it's like, I, this isn't a judgment at all. I'm just saying, what I'm saying is if we're talking about the sort of push for 
women to be kind now I want to be to be concerned with their appearance and staying young Mm -hmm. and it only sort of being magnified now but like they talk about the work they've had done all the time yeah like they're very and they're very like open and sort of jokey about it they call they they always say they go to the same witch who does (laughs) who makes them all stay young like um and so it I don't I I feel like several different ways about it because I'm like and all the filters, like, I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing. Nobody looks like they think they that they look, you know? Yeah. It's a weird thing, too. One of my other shows, I won't say which one this was, but because it was off mic. But I was talking with one of my hosts. It wasn't, I don't get it. It doesn't matter. Um, but they were saying, like, they were asking me if their, if their camera was mirrored or not. Mm. Um, like, which way do you see me? And I And I told them, and they were like, Oh no, I want it to be the other way because I hate the way I look in real life. I like it so much better the mirrored version of me. So and like wild. we're really concerned with the idea of their clips going out. Yeah. Looking away that they don't and I and I'm like and I said like yeah, but you know, when you're out in public, people that's see how your face. people see you. They don't see you in yeah. a mirror. But we're so I know. less we don't like I'm I'm afraid to say this, but I think it's much worse than it was when this movie was out. Like I, th- I think so too. I mean, think about and we're talking about women in particular, but obviously it's not just women. Think yeah. about that fucking weirdo billionaire who's doing like um, plasma transplants with his son's blood. Have Jeez. you not heard about this? No, I think I have. And they did that weird photo shoot of all of them in the white. Um, I have like a vague memory of tank this, tops. But... It's horrifying. Oh it's... God. And he's obsessed with, with staying young. So it's just, it's, ev- it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what I was going to say that I cut myself off from was just that, like, I had this weird thing where most of my life people thought I was younger than I am. Mm-hmm. And as you get older, that starts yeah. to happen less. Yep. And you're like, you kind of grow attached to the idea that like you're going to escape it. Yeah. You're not going to Ab- get that part of the aging Jody, process. You're going to stay absolutely. young forever because everybody talks about how young you look. Well, and, and then it's suddenly funny. one day you don't. Yeah, and it's funny cuz I'm not somebody who's like this is not this is neither a positive or negative thing. I want to be very clear. <laughs> I love your caveats. I, <laughs> well, cuz I'm not somebody who walks around thinking about like what I look like day to day. I like pretty detached from my own physical body. Again, maybe a trauma response, but yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm just going to say we're, we'll keep the value judgments out of that right now. (laughs) But that is something that I've also always felt kind like a weird kind of pride Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens less and less Mm -hmm. and less. And it shouldn't, matter like and i'm so i make podcasts for a living nobody ever sees me right like i don't i I, like in general it doesn't i I don't think about that often i'm not worried but for some reason that's the thing where like yeah it well and also when you're in your 30s and somebody says you look so young for your age they probably think you're in your 20s when you're in your mid to late 40s and someone says you look really young for your, your age they don't mean your 20s. Right. They mean right. like your mid to late 30s. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, it, no, there's not. It just keeps shifting. Yeah. Don't don't try to spare my feelings. 38. Yeah. <laughs> 28. Exactly. Three. Exactly. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, that that's one of the things that struck me most about this movie was like, yes, I understood why we were watching it. And yes, it was campy and funny and Meryl Streep is amazing. And so is Goldie Hawn and on and on and on. But watching it as as someone my age who, mm-hmm. you know. And you always talk like you and I are a million years apart. We're really not. And we're both in a. I feel ancient, though, sometimes. <laughs> and like, that's a me thing. But but. Yeah. In the same way that I say, like, I mentally I feel 22, I also have always felt 75. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe for me, it's a little, the whole thing is a little mixed up. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but I just mean that, like, I think you and I are both, nobody is calling either of us young. Like, I get young lady, like, it's cute by older men now Ooh. because I'm not a young lady. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That thing where it's like, hmm, young lady. And it's like, I get it. I'm not a young lady. And that's funny. Isn't it funny? Like, so funny. So, like. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. It, it's just like, it's just weird to think about. The fact that I am older than Meryl Streep was in this movie. I mean, not that well, she was supposed to be. Right. She was supposed but, to be in her early 50s. But yeah. But I think about it's, you know what it is? It's 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 that thing where like. I keep being like, oh, did you know, like, how old was Tony Soprano in oh, the first geez. season of The Sopranos? I Is think he, like he was 45 my age. Or younger? No. Oh, my God. He was 39 or 40 at the start of The Sopranos. Wow. So basically, my, I'm 37 and a half. <laughs> so... <laughs> basically pretty much my age and i say that and i'm like and what i mean is isn't that unbelievable he looks so old but it's like bitch so do you like (laughs) it's not it's not that he looks so much older than me it's that i still think i'm 20 fucking five like do you know what i mean like i do but i also think that i mean maybe tony's supposed to yeah i mean there's like tony's maybe not a great example because he's he's a like yeah he's he's lived know. a hard life yeah it's james gandolfini and he looks like james gandolfini right. like yeah. but but i but still the sentiment is still whatever like that happens a lot where it's like i can't think of think of another example but it's like no i totally know what you mean when suddenly you realize that like characters in movies that you think of as old are actually playing like your age or younger mm-hmm. and, but it's not that oh they were so young yeah and i thought they were old it's like girl yeah like whenever you have to fill out like one of those demographic surveys, like I remember getting out of that like what is it eighteen to thirty four, thirty four, <laughs> yep, little window and yep. being like bye bye, yep, and nobody cares about me anymore. Nope, I know, I know. It really is sort of like it's a vicious world to age in as a woman. Yeah, especially you know especially as a woman who doesn't follow the prescribed trajectory like the you know married at 27 two kids by 32 it's so funny that we are two women who are like spiraling out on this and we are both like unmarried no kids like yep yeah yeah like of course like and you know what i'm thinking about too to bring this back to yellow jackets one of the things that we love so much and feel so remarkable about that show mm-hmm. is there are older women at the at the helm of that show yes. who are leads who are incredible and allowed to be weird and flawed and they're not all married with kids right. shauna is she's miserable for it right um but i think about too that like 
And and they're all beautiful, stunning actors. But how much shit have you seen Juliette Lewis get for not looking yeah. like she did when she was 25 years right. old? Right. Uh, and Melanie Linsky for being really gotten not it. a perfect size two. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, it's, totally. They get comments so, on their looks constantly. And they're all, like, ridiculously beautiful. Mm-hmm. And in, in some ways, it's like that backhanded compliment kind of way. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, isn't it incredible that it's like, oh, that they look like women? Like, I don't. I know. Like, well, and that's, that that's but started... also that that's remarkable. Yeah. It's like, a th- like, it's so complicated. Well, and that's how I've started to feel when people say, oh, you don't look your age is like, mm-hmm. so what you're saying is it would be awful if I did. Because right, you're giving right. me a compliment telling exactly. me that I don't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, can you imagine if you actually looked your age? Exactly. Yeah. And like, I don't know, man, I've earned it. Also that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, but then still at the same time, you and I both just said that there is part of us that like, when we hear it, I know it's that thing uh, of like, you know, in, in therapy, <laughs> it's like your first thought and feeling is kind of like what you've been taught mm-hmm. and what you've been kind of conditioned to feel and think. And it's the next one that really matters. Yeah. And that's what I'm really trying to lean into with a conversation like this. Like, yes. of course, we're going to feel a kind of good feeling because we know that that's what society wants from women as they start to age is to stop aging. Stop it. <laughs> but... Yeah, but I think that um, you and I both know that that's bullshit. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah, no. But again, both of those things can be true at the same time, and that's that's okay. Hmm. Well, let's see how I feel when I hit fifty. Listeners, I wonder how much of Jody and I talking about our gray hair right now I'll have <laughs> kept in the edit. We'll find out. I know. I know. I'm wondering how much of this is going to make it. Okay. So, other than what. Our, our housekeeping and setting people up for next week. Is there anything about Death Becomes Her that we... How did you... Overall feeling? Liked it? Didn't like it? Liked it. Um, wish it had ended when they became friends. Yes. Didn't need the last, you know, quarter of the movie, really. But that's fair. Happy to spend time with Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn and Bruce Willis. Happy to spend time with the three of them. Also, it's kind of funny for me to watch movies from the time period like that, that were popular when I worked at the video store that my only relationship with is the cover of the movie. Mm-hmm. Because it's like filling in these like holes in my knowledge. Oh, wait, what is the tagline of this movie? Oh, that's bad. I don't know. What was it? It's not like awful. It's just dumb or boring. Some people will go to any lengths to stay young forever. But Madeline Ashton and her old friend Helen Sharp are about to go too far. Oh, yeah, yeah I, it's, there it is. I want like, I want more wordplay. It's a funny movie. Yeah, like, be exactly. Silly about it. I thought we were going to pitch taglines. I was going to try. <laughs> Staying young is a death sentence. That's nothing. That's actually probably better than what they already have. <laughs> the death sentence of eternal youth. Uh, eternal youth is a death sentence. Yeah. There it is. We got it. Yep. <laughs> Okay, should we talk about next week? Yeah. What are we watching? Okay, so we went back and forth about a couple of options. Um, We are going to go back to the 80s. Mm -hmm. We we kind of been creeping into the 90s. We're going to go right back. Um, We are going to- It's a flashback episode. Yeah. We are going to watch uh, one of the only John Hughes movies 
that both of us haven't already seen. Yeah, it's one you've seen. I obviously it's your week. Yes, I've not seen this one. I don't know why. It's just again, it's a it's just one of those weird ones that. Well, so there was a period of John Hughes movies where it was kind of a formula. It's a John Hughes movie. Oh, you already said that. I'm so sorry. (laughs) There was like a period of time where he was kind of doing the same thing and other directors were also doing that thing. And so Mm -hmm. I think missing this particular movie, it doesn't mean you haven't seen this movie. It just means you've seen a different version of this movie. Right. It's also one written by, not directed by, right? I think. So maybe that's. Yeah. So what we're watching is some kind of wonderful. We're watching Mary Stuart Masterson as Watts. (laughs) That is why we're watching this movie. I watched the trailer today and was like, yes, please. It's all I know about this movie is the trailer. It's got everything. It's got (laughs) a rich villain. It's got the guy from the wrong side of the tracks. It's got Leah Thompson. It's got a female drummer. It's got everything. I'm really excited. I'm looking and there's, I mean, it's really the only one of his, like, unless you count, like, um, the Home Alone sequels beyond Mm. uh, Home Alone 2, which I don't care about, like Home Sweet Home Alone. Yeah. But the ones that we think of as John Hughes are like, you know, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink, Ferris Bueller. Seen Seen it, seen it, seen it. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of wonderful. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Seen it. Yeah. Great Outdoors, seen it. These are all ones he's written. Uncle Buck, seen it. National yeah. Lampoon's Vegas, you know, Christmas all Vacation. All the vacation. Yeah. So I'm excited. I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. So um, if things are in it that don't hold up, which there probably are, uh, apologies. But, uh, you know, there's things in The Breakfast Club that don't hold up. And, you know, it's still a seminal movie for yeah, I'm, those of I'm us gonna... that grew up then. I'm going to guess if you've seen a John Hughes movie, you probably have an idea of the kinds of things that might be showing up in this John Hughes movie that uh-huh. maybe aren't, you know, hold, don't necessarily hold up for 2023. So keep that in mind. Right. Right. But I'm really excited I'm, to rewatch it. I'm excited to watch it. Where can, let's see where folks can find this. Okay. It's on Voodoo and Redbox and Apple TV and Google Play for $3.99 on Hulu and on Max. So it's not free. Apologies. That's right. It's one you'll probably have to pay for. I know local libraries have lots of movies that you can. um, I haven't looked to see. And I know obviously it depends on where you are, like what your hoopla or whatever. There are a few different kinds of like apps and stuff. But you might be able to get it for free, either physical or digital through your local library. I bet you can. That's something we should start. Again, it's hard to say. We can't say for every single library if that's the case or not sure um, but lots of libraries have a really good movie catalogs yeah or you can get a subscription to like canopy through it mm-hmm. yeah my library has it on dvd oh see there you go so go check in with your local library um i think that's a thing i think people i do i forget all the time about my uh local library yeah and uh so i would encourage Listeners, check in with your local library and um, see if they've got their hands on it. And uh, then you can watch it for free. That's awesome. Good point. Good point. And something else you could do for free is follow us on Instagram and or Twitter. What a segue. Fucking professional. professional. Yes. 
Um, yeah, Swatchers Pod NJ. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, uh, Jody underscore Mim, M I M. It's just my art account. So if you're just here for our takes on pop just culture, your art account. It's, it's just my art account. There's so much cool stuff on Jody's art account. So much cool art on Jody's art account. Uh, whatever. I'm at AQ Andrea Q. It's a mess over there, but feel <laughs> free to join me. Lately, it's been a lot of Fallout Boy. I'm so sorry. No, I'm not. No, you're not. Um, and dog photos. And, and cat dog photos. photos and pictures of my terrible cats. Yeah. Um, and the 455 podcasts I work mm-hmm. on. And I think. I think that's that it? it for us. Yeah. Yeah. You've been listening to The Watchers. I have been Andrea. And I am still Jody. And we mm-hmm. will see you next week in the 80s. <laughs> see you there. Bye.